I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. Good morning and welcome to our daily Bible study with the Colanders, Pastor Colander here and Laura Colander. I'm Pastor Colander, you're Laura Colander. I know, I'm introducing you. Oh, I thought you were saying Pastor Colander here and Laura Colander. I meant like you are here and I thought you were going to say something, but I think you're still sleeping. Oh, I'm awake. Okay. But I want people to know who you are. I'm Laura. You're important. I'm Laura. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, it's early morning. We read a chapter of the Bible every morning and talk about it. We are in the book of Acts, and we are up to chapter 13 today. And we'll just get started, um, unless you wanted to say anything about the divide in Acts again, for anyone who might have missed yesterday's episode. Yeah, so Acts 13 is... Between Acts 12 and Acts 13, there is a pretty distinct split in what happens. So the first 12 chapters really talk about the original apostles. So the 11 disciples of Jesus minus Judas. And the new. Well, I know. I'm just saying the the traditional ones you think of, the, the 11 disciples. And then you'd have Judas for the 12th, who they replaced with Matthias in Acts, early Acts 3, Acts 3, um, maybe later. Anyway, so those uh, who were all disciples, apostle means someone who was sent out by Christ. Um, disciple means a student. We could all call ourselves disciples of Christ, but the apostles is something kind of reserved. And then the apostle Paul was... His primary mission was that he was sent out to the Gentiles. And the apostles, the 11 plus Matthias, they many times went to the Jewish people. And they would they spread out all over the place, especially with the persecution, and were known in different cities um, throughout the Mediterranean. Now I'm going off kind of on a tangent. But anyway, there's a split between chapter 12 and chapter part, 13. The first part is about the disciples in Jerusalem. And now we're going to start talking about Paul. I could have said it that short. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well done. I guess I'll That's just why do, you're here. I'll do that next <laughs> time. All right. Here. All right. I'll start reading chapter 13. Paul, or Barnabas and Saul set off. In the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had, brought, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, and me, <clears throat> excuse me, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Mm -hmm. Paphos, 
There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet, prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Bidalimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him. He groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the, about the Lord. So this is an interesting section. And as so we've gone through Acts, we had this with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we talked about of the speaking in tongues. And also we're going to talk a number of times about demons and sorcery and different things. And I often get asked the question, is this real or why doesn't that happen now? And there's a, I forget who says, I think it's, I think it's C.S. Lewis, but maybe not. Um, The greatest trick that the devil ever played was convincing the world that he does not exist. So the devil always tries different tactics to try and pull people away from Christ. And at the time of Jesus and before that, oftentimes he would masquerade as something that was powerful, that would pull many people away from the true faith, seeking this power from other pagan gods. And now in our age of enlightenment and... I guess, mass information, making people think that they are smarter than God or that the Bible is just a myth by not working through demons or sorcerers or different things in in this way, especially in our Western culture, uh, is a tactic that the devil uses to try and convince people that he's not there. And if people don't think he exists, then... He's free to try and destroy people in many different ways. So it doesn't mean anything in the Bible is not true, is not reliable, just because it doesn't happen in the same way now and just because the devil has switched strategies in this world. Do you have any thoughts on Uh, that? Not on what you're saying. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I was just looking at the... The story and uh, the names and the places and the maps and just looking at my my Bible and Bar Jesus says in the notes in my self study Bible here says Bar is Aramaic for son of mm-hmm. Jesus is derived from the Greek for Joshua and Elimus am I saying that correctly mm-hmm. okay. Um, a Semitic name meaning sorcerer, magician, or wise man, probably a self-assumed designation. So, kind of was reading that fast, but 
there's a magician named Bar Jesus, and a pro council is similar to a governor or yeah okay, so he's an attendant to a a governor on Cyprus and he this guy this pro council obviously likes Bar Jesus or thinks he's got power or something, but then he hears about. Saul and Barnabas and wants to see their power and then it's kind of like he believed he believed their truth once he heard about them because you know he could see that it overpowered the false prophet mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of you know the Old Testament where Elijah sometimes had to do miracles against the prophets of Baal because they had whatever beliefs they had and however the devil was was doing things to convince people he had power um and then you know God does not have to do miracles to show he's God but sometimes he does in certain cases in this one it affected this man's faith in yeah the big Cyprus. one the big one with Elijah would be the building of the two altars yeah. Elijah building one and the other one building mm-hmm. one. I always think of when I read this section, and maybe this isn't good, but I think of Jafar from Aladdin influencing the Sultan. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the genie being more powerful and him breaking the spell of the evil. I don't know if Disney ripped that off from Acts chapter 13. But. <laughs> I don't know. It's not <laughs> quite exactly the same. I know, but, but still, it's a sorcerer influencing the powerful figure oh, there for evil. It doesn't say that he's I know, trying to rule Many Cyprus. times in my head, you know this, as I just go to Disney analogies. Okay, well. It's maybe not right, but. Yeah. So he's amazed the teaching of the Lord. Did you do any research about who is the new ruler after the Herod that died yesterday? I did not. Okay. Did not, so. Never mind. Well, I won't ask you about it. Okay. <laughs> yesterday we talked about Herod dying and it said they enjoyed a time of peace and here they, <clears throat> if you look at the maps, um, you could look at a real life map. This island is still there. Um, or if you have a biblical times map, they are going from Jerusalem to Cyprus. It seems like there's not a problem with them traveling or meeting with a a pro-council, which well, is actually, now I'm looking at my notes, says a Roman senatorial province. Uh, a pro-council was assigned to it. Um, something that also is really going to so help. he's like, they're meeting with a high-ranking official, and that's not a problem. So there's not like a... We have to be hiding all the time, maybe. But you have to remember the Apostle Paul, or still Saul, is a Roman citizen. This is the first time it says Saul, who is also called Paul. Yeah. So he is a Roman citizen. So mm-hmm. he can travel freely throughout the land, and he can't just be imprisoned he has randomly. Rights. He has rights that he gets trials, he can talk to people. That was very different for the Jews, where they could just mm-hmm. flog them, lock them up, and... I mean, they were, they were literally second-class citizens of the Roman government. So, oh, just interesting that this guy 
sent for him, sent for Barnabas and Saul. So I think it's a good sign that so that maybe it, at least attitudes towards them are not all completely negative. And They're now, at least curious. And now there's this whole region of Cyprus, the senator of this area is, you know, mm-hmm. a believer now. And if you're just trying to picture this in your head, Cyprus is one of the big islands. A big island. That's up of that. you did? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Alright, moving on. Verse thirteen in Pisidian Antioch. From from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga they went to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue ruler sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel, the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God had brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? And am I not that one? Or I'm sorry, I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people." We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wander and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. 
that's the end of the encouraging words <laughs> to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a little bit left in 13, but before we move on, I wanted to just stop there because I think it's interesting that, first of all, they're in um, this region of what is now Turkey mm-hmm. called um, Perga, or the city's Perga in Pamphylia, and they're, they go to a a synagogue. Mm-hmm. So there's Jewish believers in this region. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Gentiles who've come to the faith. So that's who they're talking to. And it says the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, if you have a message, please speak. So here, the synagogue rulers are excited to see them in Israel synagogue rulers were generally the Pharisees, mm-hmm. and they hated. Right, the they're trying to put down the message. So here, there's a different attitude towards towards the Christians. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're really interested to see what it is. Maybe also they hear that there is a student of Gamaliel. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a very wise and learned Jewish person, and they want to hear his opinion. So they might not know at this time that what they're about to say that they're Christians. They might just think they're wise rabbis. Possibly, I don't mm-hmm. know, because they, I mean, he comes pretty hard at them. It's not like he calls them still scoffers. But I don't know. Mm, I don't said, know what he they're... He said, don't let this happen to you, that yeah. you'd be called scoffers. So maybe they, maybe they do believe, you know, the, the word of someone rising from the dead and what the church has done would have probably spread in the last 15 years since Jesus died. So maybe they wanted to hear about it. And it's just interesting that they said, if you have, like, you know, a, a teaching or something you want to say, please share it and instead of, you know them sharing it and then being told don't talk about that which is what had been happening to peter you know recently well didn't i think it is it listed in chapter two of acts when it talks about all the people that were there mm-hmm. um at peter's speech i believe there's people there from pamphylia so they would have heard Peter's speech and they could have been part of the 3,000 believers that went yeah. back to their place That's and true. said these things. A couple of, while you're looking at little points yep, I want to bring that up. that is. They're mentioned specifically there. Um, one, the other day I got wrong talking about Pisidian Antioch. And that happens. It's going to happen more in this podcast that I get things wrong. Part of it's at, it's at 6 in the morning. Part of it's that I'm human. And part of it's that I always have more to learn in the Bible. So if you ever hear something I say wrong and you can't, you can prove it to me by God's word, you know, I'm happy to learn more about God's word and grow because make mistakes. Doesn't mean I haven't studied and I'm not an expert in God's word, but, you know, I'm... Well, it's good easy to, make mistakes to confuse and, some of these yeah. cities because they, <clears throat> they, they kind of sound the same. I know, but just want to make that clear. And then the other thing is, 
Uh, John leaving here is a big deal. So when they get to this port city after going through Cyprus, John turns around and goes back to Jerusalem. And when we get to the second missionary journey, this is going to be a very big deal because the Apostle Paul is not going to want to travel with John anymore. So it seems that... And then then to be clear, I have notes here. This is not John, the Apostle John of John and Revelation. This is John Mark, Mm -hmm. who is the author of Mark. Correct. So there's a lot of people with, you know, it can be confusing trying to keep it all straight. But this is John Mark, author of John, or author of Mark, Mm -hmm. not John, author of John. (laughs) Yes. But. And. John, when he goes back, is going to become very good friends with Peter. And he and Peter, he's basically going to write the account of Peter's gospel, which is called the Gospel of Mark. Just well, to make things more confusing. It's called, the Go- it's called the Gospel of Mark. It's the book of Mark. It's, there's a lot of focus on Peter. On Peter. Nobody calls it the Gospel of Peter. No one does. No, just you. I do in my head. Well, yeah. don't do that anymore. Okay. That's confusing. <laughs> don't. Don't please, have those thoughts please, in your head. Please okay. don't confuse me or anyone else. Okay. All right, so <clears throat> back to this. So he just gets done with his speech. This is where his quote ends. Verse 42. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. This is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so verse 43 says, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and urge them to continue in the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like they're encouraging them, right? Yeah. And then, literally, two sentences later, the whole city gathered, and when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. So they were, like, okay with it when it was just their little synagogue meeting, but when word grew and there were lots and lots and lots of gentiles at the synagogue then they didn't like that they didn't want gentile people to hear this message i think this is 
the parable of the sower and the seed kind of shown that the gospel is spread and some of it fell on the path and is eaten by the birds. That would be the teachers of the law who did not believe this message and tried to destroy the true faith and others of it, faith, they heard the true word of God and their faith grew. And I don't feel so, like you're answering my question right now. You're getting, you're getting on a tangent. Are the Jews in verse 43 the same people who the next week are going to become jealous? Or is this two different part groups? Part of them. Yes, part okay. of them. So some that's of what the I'm Jewish saying. Leaders. Right. Okay. Some of the Jewish leaders. Of the same synagogue. Right. Some okay. of the women that are influential, some of the men that are influential, some of the people that like using the church as a uh, place of political leverage do not like that all of a sudden the whole they're, they're going to lose. Yeah, this whole city that all of a sudden is following after these, you know, people that are just walking through the city and proclaiming this other message. Mm -hmm. So they're going to reach opposition. And then that sign that they do of shaking the dust off their feet, that's something that Jesus told the disciples to do uh, when he sent them out. I forget if that's when he sends out the 12 or the 70. Mm -hmm. So there are multiple times that Jesus sent his disciples out on kind of these mission trips to show them the strength that they had in the Holy Spirit. And maybe you have a note of when it actually happens. But if the the town did not reject them, Jesus said, shake the dust off of your sandals. If they sandals. did reject them. If they did reject them. Shake the dust off of the sandals of your feet, which is basically, we have nothing to do with you. We don't even want the dust of your city on our stinky feet. And then go to the next place. So it's a very visible symbol that you were on your own. We gave the word of God to you and you rejected us and you decided to be mute when God talked to you. Yeah, that's, it's just a, it's a bummer for them because they had this big following up here and it could have been like, oh, we, you know, converted this whole city and it's great, and everybody who lives here believe, is a Christian, but because of jealousy or because they thought they were better than the Gentiles, and maybe only only they deserved to hear it, or they didn't want newcomers in their, um, you know, synagogue in their group or whatever, they they stir up all this opposition. So it doesn't really say they didn't believe what what Paul and Barnabas were saying just said they were filled with jealousy and then and then they kind of address that you know why they're speaking to the Gentiles and then Paul has that quote from he brings up Isaiah 49 verse 6 and made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth so maybe just they're just jealous that Gentiles get to be there kind of goes back to what we talked about a few days ago with Peter, um, you know, mm -hmm. going to Gentiles and, and there's this, you know, what, how do you say, not like racism, but 
like we're better than you and and we deserve to hear it first and we'll tell you later kind of mm-hmm. you know hierarchy and so it's not that they don't believe Jesus died and rose they just don't want to they don't want their church to grow that quickly or they don't like how the church is growing something like that yeah well Israel was always supposed to be a priest to the world which means the go between between God and the world they were always supposed to spread the message of God. I mean, that's all over Isaiah. Listen to me, you nations. Listen to me, you islands. Um, the light of the Gentiles there in Isaiah 49. God clearly wants his message to be everywhere, but he does not want the Jewish nation to conform to the patterns of the world, rather the patterns of the world to conform to the will of God. And the... Israelites, many of them, the teachers of the law and the Jewish people, they get this, I don't know, in pastoral circles, it's kind of the ivory tower or kind of the, in the German, the air pastor, that the, the pastor is better than everyone else or the, the priest is better than everyone else. And that seems to happen in the old, whole nation right? We are God's special people. Therefore, this is only for us and not everyone else. Hmm. Maybe that's taking it a step too far. That's just kind of how I see this, that it's, yeah, well, they do. We don't want to, we don't want other people to be special because that makes us less special. Yeah. God always said we were the special ones. And now you're just telling them, you're talking to them the same way you're talking to us. And yeah, then I have underlined here, because I probably had a question about it once. Um, all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And uh, do you want to speak to that? Well, that's a, that's a long topic we could get into. But yeah. <laughs> Alexa, cancel. Um, so, in the Bible, it clearly talks about predestination. That God chooses... Uh, those he wants to be saved, that we are predestined since the creation of the world. However, the Bible does not say the opposite. It does not say that God predestines people to be condemned anywhere. In fact, it says the opposite many times. God wants the whole world to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, God was reconciling the world to himself, it says in Romans. Um, when he talks about all, when he talks about the world, uh, you know, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. These are talking about Jesus paying for the sins of the entire world and loving all people, um, every man to turn to the knowledge of the truth. Looks like this gets addressed quite a bit in Ephesians as well. Yeah. I have a note from myself that I wrote, Ephesians 1 verse 4, and then um, in the study Bible notes at the bottom, it says, read, you know, Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9, and Mm -hmm. Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. So there's just a lot, lot of sections where it addresses this, but... Um, it's not like some were chosen and some were not chosen. God has chosen some of us, but he does not choose people to not go to heaven. Yes, he does not choose some to be damned. Right. The Bible 
does not say that. It's kind of a confusing thing because in our minds there's always a counterbalance. If God did this, then he had to do this, but he doesn't say that. So I just wanted to throw that in there in case you were reading along with us and thought that was like a weird thing to say or what does that mean? We can um, address that more in the future. Yeah. And we can dig into that a little deeper maybe when it comes up in a different section, but it is not, it's not something that it's easily understood. It takes a lot of reading and kind of like putting off what we think is logical in our brain that if you have a positive, you have to have a negative. Um, In this case, that's not Mm -hmm. exactly true. That's not what the Bible says. The way that we interpret scripture is that we let scripture interpret scripture. So if there is a passage that is difficult to understand, rather than just focusing on that one verse and saying, I am going to make this logical in my mind, we look to other places where God reveals more of his word to us and explains it. And that's why what Paul says, or what is said in Acts, we can go to Ephesians and help explain. The same reason why the Apostle Paul could go back to Psalms to prove his point because all of it is the Word of God. So we'll study more of that Word tomorrow. All right. Well, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up.